Hello and welcome back to my Olive special mini-series. All around the topic of my debut novel, Olive, which is out today. A very, very exciting moment because I've been working on the book for about two years. So the day is finally here. So to celebrate, I've decided to release this four-part series on four very different women and their varying experiences and attitudes towards motherhood. The novel centres around Olive, who is child-free by choice, and she is figuring out her own path. And her three best friends, Bee, Cecily and Isla, are all figuring out their version of motherhood, including busy houses, IVF treatments and new pregnancy. So this episode of the miniseries is with Clover Stroud, who is an author and journalist and mother of five, who writes for the Sunday Times, the Daily Telegraph, Condé Nast Traveller, and she is the author of The Wild Other, which was shortlisted for the Wainwright Prize. And her second book, My Wild and Sleepless Nights, was a Sunday Times bestseller this year. And it examines what it means to be a mother in her beautiful style of writing. It really is such a raw and emotional and honest and funny memoir. And it's about the joy and the wonder and the loneliness and the despair of motherhood. It really does cover the highs and lows and having five children spanning very different ages. It really tells quite an amazing story of what it is to be a mother. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Clover and make sure you check out the other episodes in this mini series. Thanks for listening. And you can buy Olive, which is out in bookstores today and online. I hope you enjoy it. So I'm very excited to be joined by my return guest three years later, Clover Stroud. Thank you so much for uh, coming on, albeit remotely. Well, it's lovely. It's totally lovely to be back on it, even though we're not in the same room. But it's it's um it's great. Thank you for having me back. Uh, I love talking to you about your previous book, and I think so many people who loved that book were they were just so excited about this new book because you really do write in such a unique and piercingly kind of deep way. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to you all about it. I I wanted to start off by asking you really about what you said a while ago, actually, on your Instagram stories, I think, when Mm. you were talking with Sophie Hayward about how there are quite a lot of motherhood memoirs out there. And I feel Mm. like there's a lot of motherhood books out there, but not many talk about this spiritual side of motherhood. Actually, Mm. I don't think I've read any book that talks about the spiritual side. And I love that about your book. And I wondered, is it something that you just thought was missing? Or did you feel like you just wanted to tell the story now? I felt like it was missing, basically. I, um, I'd i had my fifth child when I was 40-ish, and I'd had my first... I'd had, so Lester was born when I was about 40, and my first child I had in my 20s. And um, I had sort of my newborn baby, Lester, in my arms, and I was, you know, he was my fifth child, and I felt like I should kind of know what I was doing. And I, I still felt as kind of confused and, and deranged and, and excited by motherhood and challenged by it as I had done first in my twenties. And I was kind of casting around 
for something to read. And I couldn't, you know, there are lots of books about motherhood. There are lots of novels that touch on it. There was Instagram has, you know, spawned lots and lots of books around motherhood and the challenges and, you know, what what to expect. But I couldn't really find anything that got right to the heart of the matter of how it really felt in terms of the way it kind of changes your heart and your head and that really mm. articulated the kind of blood and the dirt of it, but also the kind of majesty of it, you know, because it is a extraordinary thing to happen to you and it's a terrible thing to happen to you as well because it completely sort of changes your life and and it stops you doing things that you want to be doing but I couldn't I couldn't find anything to read that that sort of articulated that duality I suppose and articulated it I hope in quite a you know, lyrical way as well, because there are plenty of books which are kind of, fun, you know, funny books about motherhood or or manuals about motherhood. And this is neither of those things at all. You know, it's really what I'm really interested in the, as a writer is the way our experiences as humans really, really make us feel. And when I'm writing it, I am actually feeling it again. And that's one of the kind of that's what's exciting about the creative process for me is that I can actually go back into that the the space of having a newborn baby or giving birth or dealing with trauma or or getting divorced or um, dealing with desire I can kind of feel those emotions again and um, yeah that was that was what I what I wanted to articulate and and that really really does address the kind of the extremities of motherhood, which is, you know, as you say, the sort of spiritual, the spiritual side of it as well, way beyond the sleep, sleep schedules and the equipment you need. And because I don't really write about any of that at all, basically. Mm. Mm. I mean, if anything, I do, it's, like you say, it's not a manual, but I think everyone should read it, whether or not they think they want children or not. Yes, I've had really, really nice feedback from people who, um, you know, teenagers or young, much younger people who haven't yet had children or women who haven't yet made a decision about whether they want to have children or older women who have decided not to have children and kind of exploring the whole idea of maternity, but not just maternity, you know, it's very much about what motherhood kind of does to your soul and to your body and to your marriage and to your sex life and to your career and I hope that in doing so I sort of like address some of the questions about you know certain issues around what it means to be a woman what it means to to feel like a woman that's nothing to do with you know to do with motherhood as well and I really go into the the kind of my mental state I suppose my anxieties and depression and the kind of challenges around around motherhood but those are also um you know around lots of the things that we face in in everyday life as well so hopefully it has got real appeal to to women whether and actually to men I've had some nice um messages recently from men actually as well it's it's definitely I hope more than just a book you know for mothers definitely yeah and on that uh topic of mental health because you talk so brilliantly about that and how how your mental health was changing and how you were dealing with so many new mm. things and I wondered that it's interesting this idea of living in sort of like a chaotic living every day at a time can sometimes help people because you're just you can't plan ahead too much you can't make too many plans you kind of just have to be so so present if you're in a house full of like five children but then yeah. on the flip side I could so understand how that equally could be a lot and could have mental health 
implications so yeah, yeah I just wondered about that like the, the two flip sides of it yeah I I think that um motherhood definitely has I mean I think I've all of this is kind of framed I guess by the, what I wrote about in my first book that we you know we talked about three years ago when when I came on your podcast before which was my mum had this you know she had an accident when I was 16 a riding accident which left her sort of profoundly brain damaged and she was alive in that state for 22 years until she died in 2013 so all of my adult life has been kind of since the age of 16 has been kind of framed by a traumatic experience which I've which I have gone on living with and I think that that's so so when mum had her accident my whole family life fell apart and I and I kind of went off on various sort of adventures to sort of deal with that trauma to push myself to deal with that trauma and I think that um motherhood is for me is in a way a also a response to what happened to uh my mother and to to my family as a result of that and I think that kind of a big challenging life is something that I you know I kind of thrive on I like I write about the in the book about how I want my plate to be really full I want I want to feel that I'm pushing myself as hard as I can and I want to feel that I'm kind of experiencing which personally for me and I'm not saying this is for everybody but for me feels like life in its extremities because that kind of makes me feel alive as as alive as possible and for me that has meant having a lot of children but that does and I'm also one of five so I think there is a kind of thing of wanting to sort of repeat the um the family that I that I grew up with and maybe maybe as well to kind of replace you know because after mum's accident everything did fall apart so there was a kind of desire to sort of replace some of the family that had been lost I suppose but and and with the kids I do so Jimmy is 19 and Lester is is three and then I've got a daughter who's 16 and Evangeline is seven and Dash is five so the 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 kids ages are from three to 19 and that does mean that I do need to be um absolutely kind of present and available to them all the time and the demands that they put me under and this is very much what I wanted to explore in the book as well. It's not just parenthood, not just from the point of view of a of a baby and pregnancy and the decisions around a babyhood and toddlerhood, but also around adolescent life because Jimmy was expelled when I was heavily when when Lester was a newborn. No, I was heavily pregnant with with Lester. He was expelled for the usual kind of adolescent, you know, smoking weed and getting into trouble. And I really wanted to write about parenthood from a from all ranges of it from um from babying to to adolescence but the, yeah the the demands of living with that quantity of people because sometimes i feel i'm standing in the kitchen they're all coming at me at the same time and when when lester was a newborn baby that would mean there was a police car arriving outside because jimmy was about to potentially be arrested and lester had reflux and was being sick all over the place and dolly was like trying to make her gcse choices and Evangeline and Dash were kind of these crazy toddlers just making absolute chaos. And it, it has absolutely kind of stretched me as far as I possibly can go. But I suppose it has made me feel as alive as I can possibly, for me, as I possibly can feel. That's what I enjoy about it. But from a from a mental health point of view, it is a constant, you know, it's a constant challenge and it's a constant, like, discipline almost to find time for myself and to find time to kind of remove myself from the children and writing is the way that I can I can do that it's the place that I can find 
headspace really separate from being their mum and picking them up from school and cooking pasta for them and finding their lunch boxes and all of that that <laughs> entails <laughs> it's so so interesting that because I love that bit in the book where you're talking about giving birth itself and how mm. you kind of wanted to feel all the feelings of that and not that you were saying there's a right or wrong but just knowing yourself so well and a friend of yours I think you say in the book kind of watched EastEnders and mm. took all the the painkillers and kind of slept through it almost yeah. and you were just like that's not that's not for me but how different we all are it's so mm. interesting yeah and and you know motherhood really really polarizes women in many different ways and we all become so kind of um you know set up against each other and that's a real a real shame because it's such a obviously it is such an incredibly personal experience and it can be a very lonely experience but I've also I I wrote that about um and I do for me giving birth has been just the most incredible experience of my life basically it's and i'm not saying it's not agonizingly painful and it's incredibly you know it's incredibly undignified i suppose and you shit yourself and and all these fluids pour out of you and you make the kind of noises that you just didn't know that your body was capable <laughs> of making but i think that um knowing that it can be this like sort of like worry you know I feel like a warrior when I'm giving birth I feel like this is what I should be doing and this my body really really kind of delivering for me I suppose and uh so so I you know I wanted to I wanted to express what that can be like and that you know it can be this this incredible experience with with the pain as well but for everybody it is very um it's very different and I think I mean, I'm constantly thinking about life and death, actually. Um, I mean, birth and death. And I have been quite close to death um, several times in my life. Not my own death, but I have my mother. I was with my mother on my own when she died. And my sister died just before Christmas as well, after she she had breast cancer. And being with her as she died felt like such a, you know, she had a very beautiful and it was a very, very shocking death because it came very quickly suddenly, but she had an extraordinary death. And kind of the privilege, I suppose, of being able to be with her and kind of sit with her, although it was incredibly upsetting, incredibly traumatic, it do, it did remind me as well how, you know, how close it is to death, and um, how close it is to birth. Sorry, I'm not the first person to say this. Obviously, it's not an original thought, but that kind of moving into another another world. And that's why I think birth is so fascinating because I just think it's the moment where you are, where the veil is thinnest and you go right to the point of, you know, you go right to the edge basically. And, um, and I guess for me, I wanted to do it without drugs because I wanted to see over the edge. I wanted to kind of see what death could look like, but it's, um, it's everybody's, you know, everybody's choices are, are equally valid as well. But for me, that was the kind of the most exciting thing and I was lucky as well you know I was really lucky to have to have five pretty straightforward labors mm. um so you know it was yeah. something that I could I could achieve it's so interesting what you're saying and I, I actually watched what you were saying the other day on Instagram about grief and I think it, it was just so comforting like hearing someone like like you talk about it have, having been through so much and knowing how those feelings can come so mm. kind of illogically and mm. and 
yeah and and it's interesting the time we're in now my cousin is um is about to have twins any day Mm. now and it's like the joy the joy of the idea of just like newness and birth and re something being reborn and I keep thinking about it and it's like one of the only things that's making me really happy (laughs) in in a time where so much is changing yeah yeah so beautiful I I wondered if you could talk a little bit about how you find the time to write because I know this is probably one of the questions you're most asked isn't it (laughs) when people look at you and think how do you read how do you write how how do you write these beautiful books (laughs) um well, I guess, that th- so I was 24 when I had Jimmy and I was, I just got back from living in America and I um, had been working on a ranch out there and I came back and I got pregnant really quickly and suddenly I was 24 and I had a um, a newborn baby and I also had really very, very little money at all and I started sort of writing at that time and I'd been working on a ranch in America and I'd been working as a cowgirl doing rodeo and stuff. So somebody said, oh, you should write an article about that. So I I wrote an article and I managed to sell it. And then I started writing for like trade magazines and doing book reviews. I got paid absolutely nothing to do. But basically what it was doing, it was teaching me how to write in very short periods of time because I didn't have any money to kind of afford any sort of childcare. And I wanted to also be with this new baby that I had as much as possible. And then I had another another child just under three years later. So my 20s were spent writing with two small children and really no help at all and um, no kind of paid childcare at all. And so I, I did sort of train myself to write in um, quite challenging circumstances, I think. And I remember being in the laundrette with Jimmy and Dolly when they were little and they were like mucking around and quite transfixed by all these, you know, the washing machines going round and round. And I just remember having my laptop and sitting there and like hammering away, trying to write out an article. And I do the same now. I will go and wait for Evangeline while she's in her gym class or her ballet class or whatever. And I'll, and I will be writing during that time. But obviously with five kids, it's not, possible like I can't sit in the middle of the kitchen and write especially the long form stuff I think with journalism it's kind of and I'd done sort of I mean I've been a journalist since I was 24 and I'm and I'm 44 now so I've done two decades of journalism basically but I think journalism is easier to write something in short periods of time but with the books you need the kind of time and the space to really, and and especially with the way that we're talking about the kind of writing from a really lyrical really kind of spiritual place I suppose you need silence and you need stillness which are the things that small children particularly really don't give you so I I do you know I have had help I've never had like a proper nanny somebody reviewed my book the other day and said oh she has a nanny and I actually slightly um objected to that because I've never had a proper nanny in my in my whole life We've had au pairs where, you know, young people coming to live with you, they give you a few hours of help a week and then you in return feed them and, and pay them and, and um, they do English lessons. And that's that was always a really, really brilliant kind of exchange. It was a cultural exchange as, as much as anything. And it, and it meant the kids had different nationalities around them, which I always really enjoyed. But that doesn't really work very well. I don't know if it's because of Brexit or because I have got five children. Recently, we had a sort of friend of a friend of a friend who came to live with us who was just finished at university and was sort of trying to work out where to you know her next stage in life so I've had kind of like and and she was looking after for the 
the kids for picking up maybe a couple of days after school because I do need you do need that time but I am you know I have sort of trained myself I suppose in in writing in in shorter periods of time I've been recently because obviously the circ you know the circumstances that we're all in at the minute are really difficult I've been getting up early and doing a couple of hours work before the kids get up because I have trained them to <laughs> I have trained them to sort of not get up until at least half past seven which is really really good because I can get some work in first thing and also I've got these at the moment like Jimmy and Dolly my teenagers are, are looking after the younger children like they've got the younger kids now for example because we wouldn't be able to be chatting like this but um I think yeah, it's that's helpful yeah <laughs> No, it's amazing. It's amazing. And it's really good for family life. You know, seeing the ad seeing the sort of adolescence. Jimmy's nineteen now, but seeing him playing with the younger children and he's like running these art classes for them and doing PE with them and it's really, really it feels really, really healthy for everybody's relationships with each other to be kind of flung together in this way, actually. But we also live in quite an isolated place in the middle of the countryside. So we naturally spend quite a lot of time together. But um yeah, so I just I just write and I write in pockets of time and then I buy bits and pieces of help, you know, I pay for bits and pieces of help when I can. But I think also as a mother, you also or anybody who's busy, I'm sure you're really, really used to like sitting down and getting your arse in straight away and not faffing around. And if you've got work to do, you're pretty trained, I'm sure, at getting on with it. I think also because so many of us like having more kind of multi-hyphen careers like freelance careers people are becoming more adept at, at concentrating on the work I think would you would you say yeah. that's true the freelance I think so you too. I mean I definitely used to be that person that was just faffed around in the day because I knew I had the evening you know I didn't I didn't have anything else that I would necessarily need to do so but yeah. now I think I just really respect and love like my non-work time so I want to get my work done as quickly as possible yeah so that I you know I look forward to other things now basically yeah. but there was a time where I was just like work 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 but it's so it's so good hearing you say that because carving out time for yourself as a mother I'm imagining is also extremely healthy and by doing so you're kind of modeling you know a very healthy type of behavior which is you're allowed to put yourself first sometimes and you're allowed to be creative and definitely definitely great. that's really really important and for me I mean I absolutely take my hat off to to women who do full-time mothering because I think it is one of the most difficult demanding challenging things to do and I wouldn't be able to maintain a sense of myself I don't think and I think that I would I would find it kind of incredibly difficult and it was one of the things that I wanted to actually communicate in the book was that the challenges that that women face and it is largely women I know statistically anecdotally a lot of men do a lot of a lot of parenting as well but if you go to the school gate um, if you wait outside ballet the vast majority of the people there are women whether they are mums or or grannies or childminders it is women doing this kind of carrying this domestic load basically and yeah, so one of the things I wanted to write about was the was my first book was about kind of going out and adventuring in the world and traveling in Russia and riding in rodeos in Texas. And this book is very much about domestic life. But I totally wanted to communicate the fact that the the kind of dark valleys that you have to ride through as a mother, the the kind of um, scary oceans that you have to cross just 
by spending a day with a toddler and a newborn baby on your own are, you know, just as kind of challenging and requires just as high a degree of bravery as any kind of, you know, world travel out there, basically. But I, I and, and I feel really proud that the kids, you know, the kids are very aware of my working life. And they, Dolly said to me, Oh, it's really funny that you've written a book about how to be a mum. And I was really laughing because I thought it really isn't a book about how to be a mum at all. But they are um, they are pr- proud of it and they are aware that I, I need to do it financially, but I also definitely need to do it creatively and emotionally. And having, yeah, having that, that kind of space and that time uh, separate from them makes me into a better mother but I totally from personally but I and I totally take my hat off to women who do it full-time because I think it's it's incredibly challenging and it requires you know huge kind of personal resources basically and huge generosity on that note actually about your kids because they seem to be obviously so aware of your work and and following it and loving it and I was mm. noticing that Dolly your daughter was like on the Instagram live commenting and it was really sweet um yeah. <laughs> but today does Jimmy because I, I wondered obviously we get to know Jimmy really well in the book mm. I'm guessing you kind of spoke to them about it before or how, how did they react when they knew that you were going to use their real names and, and you know really yeah. do it do the memoir well, I I wasn't sure how to do it and um, I wasn't sure, but, but I was aware that I sort of, I wanted to write, when I finished the first book, I wanted to, I wanted to write something else and I started writing about them and I started trying to kind of make sense of, of new motherhood and creating a, a narrative around it as you have to do when you're writing a book because you don't put everything, you can't put everything into it. But um. I think with Jimmy, I have always had a very close relationship with Jimmy and with all of the children. And um, Jimmy and me and Dolly, I was single parent to Jimmy and Dolly for almost 10 years before I met Pete. So we had a really, really close relationship. And I am somebody whose emotions are, my emotions are, are on the surface and I and I share a lot of stuff with them. So I've always talked to them a lot about what is going on in our lives. And I haven't tried to um, hide my own pain all my own happiness and excitement about things from them we've we've kind of lived it all together so talking to him about what I was writing about wasn't just as like you know I've never had a someone once said to me well when do you give them the conversation about the birds and the bees like when do you tell them about sex but that's for me that's always just been the way we talk from when they were really small like I you know I I chat to them about about something or I chat to them about the way your body works or the dash came into the room and like saw a box of tampaxes asked who's you know what they're for so you're sort of naturally talking about life and how stuff works so there's always been a real honesty I suppose and um I started talking to Jimmy about what was going on and we, uh, even through really, really difficult times, and I think this is testament to our relationship with one another, that we have continued talking and it was very tough, I have to say, the period of time that I was writing about when Jimmy got expelled and he 
was going through adolescence, he did become more distant from me. And as you say, now you look back and you think, oh, you know, smoking weed, it's normal. But at the time it was like, oh, fuck, you know, mm-hmm. he's been expelled. He's midway through his GCSEs. We've got the police turning up. Uh, this is quite a kind of quite a lot of challenges to deal with. But I carried on talking to him through that time and I carried on kind of believing in him, I suppose. And I'm proud of that adolescent relationship that we had. And we have an absolutely fantastic relationship now. He's a really, really brilliant, brilliant young bloke. He really, really is. But I was talking to him about it all the way through. And then he did. He read absolutely everything which he is is in. He didn't read all of the pages because there's, you know, I've written very explicitly about my marriage, about my sex life. There was stuff which I just knew he would not want to read and I didn't want to ask him to read as well. So he's read absolutely everything that, um, you know, that, that he's in and I've talked to Dolly about it. But I also think there's, there is a thing that your kids are like not that interested in your work and they're not, you know, you're their mum and... And I also don't think, although I have written about what he got up to, I haven't revealed anything about him that he has not revealed to the world already. And I think as a writer, you are kind of aware of where the line, you know, where the line is. And the book is, of course, it's about his adolescence, but it is about my, the book is about me and it's about the inside mm-hmm. of my head and, and what what motherhood is is really, really like. And, and also, I think written through it is like a very strong kind of structure of love and you can feel the love going through it. So I think if I was being very judgmental about Jimmy or very critical of him, which I just can't imagine doing in print anyway, because I've never... I found it difficult, Mm -hmm. but I've never felt anything other other than great love for him. And also, one of the things that I really, really wanted to talk about was the fact, I remember sitting in a cafe, I was was writing, and these these mothers who were sort of similar age to me sat down beside me, and they were having a conversation about their adolescent sons. And they were saying, oh, my God, I just don't recognise him. He's just like an alien in the house, and he's so silent, and I can't, can't stand being around him, and I just despair of this person that my lovely little boys become and I think that um I wanted to say to these women like believe it they're still your kids you know believe in them and love them and carry on talking to them and they might be a bit strange and a bit bigger and a bit hairier and a bit smellier and all these things than they were when they were you know your lovely little boy but they're they're your your people and kind of keep on trusting them and keep on walking Mm. beside them that reminds me of Philippa Perry's book and she right. you know talks about that sort of moment of don't give up even for like a tiny moment that, that yeah. this is someone to, yeah. to make an effort with to make yeah. an effort with and to love and to tr- continue to try and communicate with because also that sort of real hit the buffers difficult moment and it is difficult 15 16 14 15 16 it's kind it is it's confusing they do pass on through it and all of those sort of adolescent indiscretions like smoking weed or getting arrested they are just part of growing up and like most of us have done it most most people's children are doing it so don't judge other parents whose kids are being expelled we're all kind of going through a lot a lot of this stuff together it's just that a lot of people don't want to talk about it I think the more that we talk about it and the more that we say yeah you know my son's been smoking weed or he's been in trouble it sort of like makes you feel less alone as a parent and what we were talking about earlier about individual experiences and the way we are sort of 
mothers get set up against each other from the beginning about you know different stages that your kids your kids are at and I think um adolescents teach you so much about just kind of believing in them and 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 walking onwards with them and that was that was a really really important thing of, that I was trying to write about of don't judge the children mm-hmm. too much don't judge don't judge the mothers too much you know don't judge me for this as well and I think by being really honest you kind of put yourself in a position where I'm not saying that you're not going to be judged but but I mean like in this book I very much stood up and said yes this is me this is all the worst parts of me in a way and maybe that makes it harder for harder for the, for there to be judgment on the writing I think I think so and also it makes for me personally it made me feel very I don't know comforted in a way because I'm watching someone really take on a lot of life and also get through it and to to see someone with a newborn baby going through you know a situation with a teenager which would have been hard anyway but you had also Mm. other things Mm. I don't know it makes you think wow and I think you know I talk a lot about you know, generational differences, maybe. But one thing I do think we need more in the world more than ever is stories of being resilient. And I think yes. this is a book about someone like putting one foot in front of the other. And yes. yeah, it was just lovely and very inspiring. Oh, that's really, really it's so it's so, so nice to hear that. And I think it's but I think that sort of honesty is really important as well because of um because of social media and particularly because of Instagram and I went on to Instagram when Lester was born so I went on to Instagram in 2016 and um, I didn't have an account before then and I was kind of really fascinated and to start with I felt kind of confused by it because I felt like god it really does look like everybody's looks really groovy and is having a really cool time with motherhood and this is not what my experience of motherhood even with my fifth child is just never it's never really really felt like that and I think as many but but I think there is more honesty coming through Instagram now as well and I and I think that's really 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 important because I still think you know when you've got when you've got a newborn babies well you're in a really really vulnerable state mentally mm-hmm. and um i think instagram is actually quite a dangerous place to be at that point because because it can it God, can yeah. you know make you feel as though there's this sort of mothering style which is really nothing like anything that i've ever experienced in terms <laughs> of motherhood the utter chaos the utter mess the kind of squalor that you can get into quite quickly just trying to get a meal on the table for for several children at the same time and um yeah I think that that sort of articulating that kind of honesty and uh, that that honestly helps people to feel more resilient it helps people to feel less alone in it and I've had so many messages from people saying oh you've really articulated you know you've really like you you understand the inside of my head I thought I was alone in finding this so difficult or I thought I was alone in finding this so chaotic and it's really 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 nice having that kind of conversation with people on social media of people going oh god the relief of yes you know it's it's it is this difficult and it's okay to find it this difficult definitely I mean I hope it becomes untrendy soon to just have this instagrammable clean you know clinical yeah picture I'm just like where's all your stuff where yeah. <laughs> how come you've only got four things in your wardrobe I don't get it <laughs> do you think those kind of really clean images are going to start to look really anachronistic and dated 
I think so. I think I hope we're on a turning point where it's actually just much more human and and comforting and cozy to just share some mess. I li- I like seeing it and I because it's it's reflects back at you what life is. Yeah. No, and it makes you it's it feels like a re- it feels like a relief, doesn't it? it I can kind yeah. of feel myself but I found it I find it really interesting at the moment seeing everybody especially the celebrities and without any makeup (laughs) and without their kind of glitzy wardrobes and the and the styling and how everybody looks it's kind of very democratic really everybody looks the same as well don't they and I love that I, I read something on the New York Times actually which was it's called the fall of celebrity culture or something oh, um, really? through through the pandemic because yeah we are all the same once again you know not not completely the same i'm finding that that phrase like we're all in the same boat a little bit really jarring so i'm like boat. i don't think yeah. we are yeah. <laughs> um but just lastly i i feel like i need to do at least five other episodes with you to cover all my questions <laughs> off but um yes. i wondered if you could just tell the listeners a little bit about how you are using Instagram at the moment because it's really great what you're doing to support other authors and also I don't know it feels like you're you're very connected on there at the moment and it's really really nice yeah Yeah, I've tried I'm really trying to so for you know for the last few couple of years whatever I've just documented my life a bit and books that I'm reading and bits of the kids because people really enjoy the kids and they're they're quite funny and but recently in the last um you know since in the last couple of weeks since this all this all happened with the virus I've started doing stuff that is talking to camera as well because I find and I found Instagram increasingly useful and powerful as a kind of creative tool to explore my ideas and I've been doing this in my posts probably for about it was actually following a conversation I had with Mary Meadows and we were talking about Instagram and she said like you know you can really you can use it in a really emotional way and you can be really really honest with it and she was because I I was talking to her probably about a year ago and I said I just don't quite know why I'm doing it and what the point of it is particularly and Mm. is it just kind of gratuitous stuff that I'm putting out she said no like don't be afraid of being really honest on it. And it was really useful, that conversation. And I have found it writing this, the motherhood book, My World and Sleepless Nights, and I'm kind of working on another idea right now that putting an image and some texts together and saying, this is what I feel about this, you know, it was about some aspect of mothering or loneliness or whatever with the previous book, but I'm now kind of testing out new new ideas and to say okay to my followers you know this is how I feel about this this thing that's going on right now and this is what I'm finding confusing about it or this is what I'm finding interesting about it how do you feel about it too so there's kind of two different ways that I'm using it which is the the grids with with kind of quite emotional posts because I do think that combination of you know a strong image and I don't know what the word count is it about 250 200 words something like that for a post can be very um very very can be kind of very emotionally engaging and then I'm also doing these Instagram live interviews with with different authors twice a week on a Tuesday and a, a Tuesday at 8:30 p.m. and a Friday at 1:30 p.m. because obviously so many authors have had their but you know all their book events cancelled and I've had my book events all cancelled as well and it's incredibly nice to sort of feel like you're connected to to writers and also to readers via Instagram 
the virus has sort of enabled me to do this in in a way because before I'd have felt like oh I'm not sure that I'm good enough or I should try and do a podcast and but with a podcast I didn't have the right kit for it or the right graphics and whereas I like the fact that there is a kind of sense of mass creativity in a way at the moment people sharing you know whether it's a interview with an author or videos about cooking and yoga and breathing techniques or art with kids I think we we feel like we are quite creative at the moment, don't you think? There is a kind of energy yeah. is it's interesting and it's and it's nice that kind of anybody can have a go at it as well. That's what it's so true. It's so so true, and I really love that. I I also understand if people are finding it hard to concentrate at the moment, but I do think that there's something about being able to kind of I don't know lower your boundaries, put your boundaries mm. down a little bit mm. because. I feel like people are being so human and so receptive to how we're all feeling. I, I don't know. That's what I felt. I felt like I can be a bit more out there because a out there. I, yeah. I don't feel like I'm being as judged or I don't know, maybe all of that, that stuff was an illusion anyway. It would be so interesting to see what how that kind of translates into the next bit of life as well, won't it? Whether yeah. yeah. And this whole idea of going back to normal has really confused me and kind of disturbed me at oh, yeah. times. I loved what you said about that because I agree I don't think there is a normal there is no same normal after something big happens no and I feel like I really feel like um you know we need to evolve and we need to change and we need to use this in some way or another to to learn like really important lessons and new ways of new ways of living what those new ways of living are I have I don't know at all but um there has to be evolution from where we are now. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, everyone, go and follow Clover <laughs> on Instagram. It's great. Well, thank you so, so much. I really, really loved that. And um, thank you for coming on. Well, I love, I, I really love talking to you, Emma. It's really, really great. And I, it's strange. I mean, I'm sitting in my bed, in my bedroom, chatting to you. But um, I hope, yeah, I hope we can meet in real life before, before too long. But thank you so much anyway. 